the passage of Scripture tonight is Acts chapter 3. How many of you all, how many of you have ever heard of Justice Paul Newby? Anybody heard of him? He is on the North Carolina Supreme Court. He is running for Chief Justice this year. I was at a uh, men's conference back in February it, there at uh, uh, Providence Church in, in Raleigh. My son-in-law, my daughter belongs to that church. And it was a men's conference. And we went to this men's conference and Justice Paul Newby was there. He gave some statistics I want to share with you tonight. He said, and I'm quoting him now, 50,000 people a year in North Carolina die to opioids. 50,000. One third more than that die to alcohol or alcohol-related incidents. He said 11% of all Americans, 11% have a substance abuse problem. Now sometimes we want to point our fingers at our kids or our grandkids and we say, man, I don't know what's going to happen to them. They're getting hooked up on these drugs. They're getting, they're getting messed up with alcohol. You know what? Alcohol and drugs is killing this country. But guess how many adults are messing with that stuff? 11% of all Americans have a substance abuse problem. He said in, at Harvard Law School, and of course Harvard Law School is an Ivy League college where men and, young men and young women go to be, uh, to be lawyers. Out of a class of 1,500 students, 750 of those uh, were clinically depressed. What's going on in our country? What's going on in our country? When you got young men and young women going to Ivy League colleges and they're depressed. He went on to say, you're gonna, you're gonna, you're gonna, this is going to blow your mind. He said that he believes in the next five to ten years, the United States government will be forcing our churches in North Carolina to celebrate alternative lifestyle, abortion at any stage, and if a church does not do it, they'll be charged with a hate crime. It's coming, folks. It's coming. They already are saying that we're teaching hate because of what we teach in the Bible. He also said that in California, a child at 12 years of age can get free counseling right now to change their gender without parental consent. And then one more. It's against the law, according to Justice Newby. It's against the law in California right now for a pastor to counsel a young man or young lady about biblical gender ideas. You say, Brother Carl, why do you share that? I believe that we are in a moral crisis in this country. And I believe that your character and my character is really going to show as we get more and more into the crisis. Here in Acts chapter 3, there was a crisis. There was a crippled man, and he's begging, and let's see what happens to him in his crisis. I'll read very quickly. Now Peter and John went up together into the temple at the hour of prayer being the ninth hour. By the way, that's three o'clock in the afternoon. And a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms of them that entered into the temple, who, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked an alms. And Peter, fastened his eyes upon him with John, said, Look on us. And he gave heed unto them, expecting to receive something of them. And then Peter said, Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up, and immediately his feet and his ankle bones received strength. 
And he leaping up stood and walked and entered with them into the temple, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. And they knew that it was he which sat for alms at the beautiful gate of the temple. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at that which had happened unto him. And as the lame man which was healed held Peter and John, all the people ran together unto them in the porch that's called Solomon's, greatly wondering. And when Peter saw it, he answered unto the people, Ye men of Israel, why marvel ye at this? Or why look ye so earnestly on us as though by our own power or holiness we had made this man to walk? The God of Abraham and of Isaac and of Jacob, the God of our fathers, hath glorified his son Jesus, whom ye delivered up and denied him in the presence of Pilate when he was determined to let him go. But ye denied the Holy One and the just and desired a murder be granted unto you and killed the Prince of Life whom God raised from the dead, whereof we are witnesses. And his name, through faith in his name, hath made this man strong, whom you see and know. Yea, the faith which is by him hath given him this perfect soundness in the presence of you all. Let's pray. Lord, tonight I realize that I am nothing. I am nothing without you. But God, I'm glad tonight that you breathed into, man the, into mankind the breath of life and we became a living soul. We are human beings, thinking, feeling, acting beings made in your image. And God, tonight I'm thankful that you saved me. I'm glad that you changed me from a sinner and made me part of the family of God. I invite you, Holy Ghost, tonight to bring conviction where there needs to be conviction. And I pray, Holy Ghost, tonight that you will enlighten our hearts and minds of the Word of God as it's being proclaimed. And I pray, Lord Jesus, that you will forgive me, please, of anything in my life that might hinder me. Because, Lord, tonight we want to bring glory and honor to your name. May you be honored now in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. There is a theological term called regeneration. Regeneration. Here's what regeneration means. It is that instantaneous moment when the Holy Ghost of God changes a human being from a sinner and brings them into the family of God. I was 15 years old, and I got saved on a, on a Thursday night in revival. I got convicted on Wednesday night. I went home, and I couldn't sleep. When I got back to the service, when the preacher gave the invitation, I accepted Jesus Christ as my Savior, and by accepting Him, the Holy Ghost instantaneously moved in and changed me from a sinner and made me a part of the family of God. And if you're here tonight, guess what? The Holy Ghost done the same thing for you. Now stay with me. If you were this crippled man here in the book of Acts, how would you, how would you tonight, if you couldn't walk, how would you face that crisis? Well, let's talk about some things tonight. By the way, the title of this message is, Your Character When Faced with a Crisis. I learned back in 2010, I was not as strong, Brother Jimmy, as I thought I was. I was in an accident. I got run over on a bicycle down in Arkansas. I rode in an ambulance for the first time. I had broken bones for the first time in my life. For the first time in my life, I was laid up in a hospital. And you know what? I got depressed. I couldn't, I, I, I couldn't preach at my church for a while. Uh, I couldn't walk for a while. My wife had to get, help me in and out of the bed. And you know what? I learned I was not as strong spiritually as I thought. So tonight, let's see what happens to this crippled man. First of all, God knows right where you're at when you're in your crisis. Here was, a, here was a crippled man who could not walk, and along comes Peter and John. Now, Peter and John were companions. Uh, think about this now. Peter and John had been partners in the fishing business. 
Uh, Peter and John had prepared the last Passover for Jesus. They both had ran to the empty tomb on that first Easter. But you know what's really strange about Peter and John? They had very diverse personalities. Here's what I mean by that. Peter was zealous. He was eager. He was impulsive. He was energetic. And he was aggressive. Kind of sounds like me, Brother Jimmy. Probably sounds like you. Well, guess what? Not everybody has that personality. Me and my wife have been married for 40 years. And guess what? Her personality and mine are daylight and dark different. Here's Mary's personality. Oh, Carl, don't worry about it. We'll take care of it tomorrow. For me, there is no tomorrow. We got to get it done today. That's me. Being old Mr. Aggressive, got to get it done. That's the way Peter was. But John, he was a loving apostle. He was greatly loved. By the way, Jesus had 12 disciples, but he also had a circle of friends, inner circle of Peter and James and John. You and I need friends tonight. Your pastor needs friends. I know he's hard to love sometimes. Your pastor needs friends. Your pastor's wife needs friends. I know she's loving. Hey, every one of you here tonight needs to have friends. We were not born to be isolated. We need friendship. We need family. Hey, you say, well, I don't have... Hey, the church is our family. Peter and John were very close to Jesus. They both ran. They, they were both near Jesus at the Transfiguration. They were near Jesus at the Garden of Gethsemane. Peter and John were pillars in the church. They were on their way to church at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. That's a weird time to be going to church, but they're on their way to church, and they are in harmony with each other. That's a miracle. When you got people of different personalities, sometimes it's hard to get along. I have learned in pastoring for 30 years, some people you have to kind of love at a distance. Everybody's not easy for us to get along because we have different personalities. But one thing about Peter and John, they must have been free will Baptists. Because they didn't have any money. <laughs> Here is a crippled man, and he's laying there at the gate of the temple, and he's begging, and Peter says, silver and gold, have I not? What was the, what was the crippled man looking for? He's looking for money. I had, a, I had a deacon tell me one time, he said, preacher, we try to keep our preacher poor so we can keep him humble. I said, well, I hope that goes for the deacons just as much as it goes for the preacher. That didn't get me very far. <laughs> but Peter said, you know the verse... Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise up and what? Walk. This man, had, he's crippled. Let's talk about the crippled man now. We talked about the companions, Peter and John. You see in verse 2 it says that he was lame from his mother's womb. All right, so here's the question. Why does God allow children to be born lame, crippled, never walk? I don't really have the answer to that, although God is sovereign. God is holy. We live in a sinful world, and guess what? That's, that's just things that happen in our world. This crippled man, if you look over in chapter 4, you will find that he's over 40 years old. Now think about this. For 40 years, the muscles in his ankles, the bones in his legs had never worked. He was carried and laid at the gate or the door. Brother Jimmy, think about this now. If every time you and your church congregation came to Reedsville Church and there was a crippled man laying at your door and you had to step over him, get around him, give him money, get him out of your way, for 40 years, I want to ask you all a question. Would you look at him as a nuisance or would you look at him as an opportunity? The Bible says here that Peter, in verse 4, fastened his eyes upon him with John. 
Peter and John saw this man as an opportunity. Sometimes we look at people, oh, that's just an old drunk. That could be your son or your grandson or your granddaughter. Or you see somebody on the street, that's just a prostitute. That's somebody's daughter out there. Think about it now. I got a, I got a, I got a nephew tonight that's hung up. He's strung out on drugs. He's caused my brother so many problems in and out of prison. And my brother said, I don't even want to walk out of my house. I feel guilty if I step outside the house because my, my kid has shamed me with his drug problem. You know what I told my brother? You, you just got to hold your head up and walk on out there. You know what? You can't help what your kids do when they're grown. And you step out there with the grace of God and you hold your head up because guess what? God knows, God knows you and God knows where your kids are at. But guess what? Here's a crippled man. And Peter and John looked at him, and here's what Peter said. I'm going to paraphrase. I don't have any money. I got something better than that. Amen. I got to get done with this message tonight, but I got, I got to say some things. You and I want the best for our kids. We all have the idea. We've been struck with this thing that our kid needs a college education. Brother Jimmy, I think it would be better for some kids not to go to college. My daughter has a degree in psychology. She married a hairy-legged boy from West Virginia. She's working a job in West Virginia, and her psychology degree is worthless. And she still owes $20,000 on that college bill. Think about it now. That's just one. There's many kids out there that have a degree that's worthless. Not all of them. But we have the ideal. Let's just go with our ideal. We have the ideal. If our kids can get a college degree, that means they can get a good job. All right, let's, let's just say that's true now. Let's just, for the sake of time. So, all right, your kid gets a good college degree. Your kid gets a good job. What's next? Well, they got to have a big house. You want your kids to marry well. Not marry women. Women marry men, and men worry, marry women, right? That's what we want for our kids. Okay. So we get our kids married. They got this nice three-story house. They got, after a while, they got a pontoon boat. They got a cabin in the mountains. They got a beach house, timeshares. All that stuff might be fine, but if they don't have Jesus, they have missed it all, and you will never see them in God's beautiful heaven. Just because your kids got jobs, just because your kids have uh, uh, degrees, all that is fine and good, but without Jesus... It means nothing. Stay with me now. Peter said, silver and gold have I none. But notice this now. Peter reaches over, Brother Jimmy, and takes him by the right hand. What did I say a while ago about regeneration? Regeneration is an instantaneous moment. The very moment that Peter reached down to take the crippled man's hand, notice what happens now in verse 7. Immediately, I'm going to read it to you. He took him by the right hand, lifted him up, and immediately his feet... And his ankle bones received strength. To me, that is a picture of salvation. And guess what? I like verse 8. He leaping up, stood and walked and entered with them into the temple, walking and leaping and praising God. Walking, leaping and praising God. Some of you woke up about 4.30. Oh, I got to hurt my back. My knees don't feel very good. I better go to church. 
Teresa and Jimmy be looking for me, and I sure don't want, you don't want, let me, tell, let me talk to you. If you got breath in your body, and you're able to get up and walk, you ought to come through those doors every time you can. I'm going down to the house of God and I'm going to give Him praise. I'm going to give Him thanksgiving. I'm not laid in the hospital. I'm not on a ventilator. I'm not in a morgue. I'm here tonight by the grace of God. I look around and I see preachers falling out. I see friends of mine dying off. And I'm 63 years old and I'm ready to go, but I don't want to go on the next bus load. I like living here. But I'm ready to go there should He call me. i got to hurry. We talked about the the, the, the companions, we talked about the crippled man. Now finally, let's talk about the crowd. What about the crowd? You see, when this man was able to walk, he was walking and leaping and praising God. They saw that it was he who? They saw it was that crippled man who'd been laid at the temple. And the Bible says they were filled with wonder and amazement. Brother Jimmy, some of these TV preachers makes my stomach turn. Some of these TV preachers... They'll say, give me your seed gift. Come on, send me your seed gift. Well, then they get the seed gift. They want you to come to one of their big services. So here comes a guy in there. He's got a crutch under his arm. He looks like he's about to fall over. He walks over, and this guy, he breathes in his face. All of a sudden, he throws the crutch up in the air. Here's the problem. We don't know whether that man with the crutch even needed that crutch or not. Now, I'm not discounting divine healing because God divinely healed my daughter. I believe in divine healing. But some of these preachers, all they're trying to do is get in your pocketbook. Stay with me now. In the New Testament, when Jesus or one of his disciples performed a miracle, it caused everybody to be filled with wonder and amazement. You know why? They knew this guy had never walked. Forty years he would have been carried and laid there at the gate, and they had stumbled over him day after day, and all of a sudden they see him Walking and leaping and praising God. Wouldn't that cause you to be wondering what's going on here? This guy ain't never walked. Look at him. He's walking. And notice what it says in verse 11. And as the lame man which was healed held Peter and John, they all, the, the people ran together uh, to the porch called Solomon, greatly wondering. Now what I said about Peter a while ago, Peter's very aggressive. Brother Jimmy, listen to this. When Peter saw it, he answered the people, Ye men of Israel. Now Peter was a Jew. Peter was a Jew. He says, you men of Israel, why are, you, why are you marveling at this? Why do you look so earnestly upon us as though by our power, our holy living, that's what holiness means, we made this man to walk. You know what, Brother Jimmy? If I'd been in some revival and some man was in a wheelchair and I called out on the Lord and I reached over and this guy was able to get up out of that wheelchair and walk, you know what I'd probably do? Brother Jimmy, I was down there in Smithfield. You know what? A guy was in a wheelchair I took him by the hand. He got up and walked. You know what? That ain't what Peter did. What did Peter do? Let's, re- let's see what Peter did. See, we like to brag on ourselves sometimes as though we've done something. Peter says, hey, hey, the God of Abraham and of Isaac and of Jacob, the God of our fathers, hath glorified his son, Jesus. He is given the glory to Jesus. If there's any glory tonight, it belongs to him. But notice what, what Peter says. You, that word, whom ye delivered up. He's looking at the Jewish brother whom ye delivered up and you denied him in the presence of Pilate when Pilate was determined. You remember when Pilate was going to let him go? They cried out for Barabbas. But you, look look at verse 14, but you, 
Israel, you, the Jewish people, you denied the Holy One and the just and you desired a murder and you killed the Prince of Life whom God hath raised from the dead, whereof we are witnesses. Okay, in closing, I promise you, four points and I'm done. Or five. Real quick. First of all, I believe this lame man is the illustration of salvation. Number one, he was born lame. You and I are unable to walk to please God without Jesus. This lame man was unable to walk because he was crippled. Number two, he was poor. Oh boy, some people I know are born with a silver spoon in their mouth. I know some kids when I was in high school, their mom and daddy bought bought them Corvettes and Cougars and Mustangs when they turned 16. You know what I had? I had a 1960 Ford Comet. And the leaf springs were broken. When you went down the road, it looked like it was running sideways. I had bald tires on it. I had it, I had it held together with, with barbed wire. And I was made fun of at school because I had an old raggedy car and I had raggedy boots that I wore out in the, in the hog lot. But you know what? I had the best that I could do. And I learned to stand up and be proud of who I am regardless of what anybody says. Think about this now. You and I were born bankrupt. There was a sin debt hanging over our head that we could not pay. But Jesus Christ, God's darling son, left heaven. Stay with me now. This is Bible. Jesus Christ, God's son, came from heaven, fully divine, came to earth, was born of the Virgin Mary, became a man, a human being. He went to the cross. He laid his life down. And on that cross, you remember what he said on the cross? He said, Brother Jimmy... It is finished. That word means to telestai in the original. It means paid in full. Mary and I are 63 years old. We didn't go on vacations like a lot of preachers. We didn't have all these gadgets. A lot of pre- we didn't have fishing boats and we didn't have all this. You know what I tried to do? I tried to save money. It's hard to save money being a preacher, I can tell you right now. My wife is about as tight as any woman you'll ever find. She won't throw nothing away. But we saved money and we saved money and we saved money and we saved money all through our lives. And now we have our home completely paid for. It's a good place to be. I can take you to my house. I can take you to my office and I can pull out this deed. And on that deed, there's a big old stamp there, government stamp or a, a Wake County. It says paid in Boy, that feels good. But Brother Jimmy, I got a bill the other day about about a month ago for $1,750 for real estate tax. You don't ever get out of this world without paying. But guess what Jesus did? Jesus paid your sin debt once and for all. And when you accept the finished work of Jesus Christ, God looks down from heaven, sees you through the blood, sees you through the body and the person of Jesus Christ and declares you justified just as if you never sinned. My little girl one time, I was getting ready to give her one of them little paddles. She's about nine or ten years old. She looked up she said, Daddy, it's hard to be good all the time. She still got a spanking. But you know what? God sees us, and he sees us just as if we never did. Now, okay, stay with me. I'm almost done. The man was lame, unable to walk to please God. He was poor. He was bankrupt. He was outside the temple. You and I have to be reconciled. He was healed instantaneously, and he was healed wholly. I'm glad that Jesus saved me thoroughly. 
He saved me inside and saved me on the outside. You see, when you're saved, it will show on the outside. That's the evidence. You see, here in this passage of Scripture, they couldn't see the healing, but they saw the result of it. And when they saw this man walking and leaping and praising God, they were filled with wonder and amazement. And they ran to this porch. They just could not believe what they saw. But guess what? Now this man could stand. Tonight, it is 2020. What a year this has been. How are you dealing with your crisis? In your crisis, God has sent you some friends, your companions. You may feel crippled, but guess what? The crowd is watching. Your kids and your grandkids, they're watching how you handle things. And guess what? That says volumes of where you're at with the Lord. Amen? Let's pray. Lord, tonight, I know I've gone a little bit long, but Lord, this church has been 